you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, and that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. The Around the League podcast is footloose and fancy free. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. My name is Dan Hansen, and I'm joined by a room filled with some heroes, Chris Wessling and Mark Sessler. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Well, we're back. You sure are, and I really I appreciate you guys, especially Wes on an off day. Mark, not so much. It's part of your job. You're on the schedule. You come in, and that's what you do. Uh, both you gentlemen were in Indianapolis as of yesterday uh, for the Combine uh, while I held it down back uh, in California, and now you're back. Welcome back. Thanks. Yeah, it's good to be back. <clears throat> you both look like different levels of dead. Well, <laughs> like walkers uh, well, from the Walking Dead. Yeah, uh, Saturday night was a very fun night. Five of my brothers made the trip in from Cincinnati, and had a few, um, had dinner and a few drinks with Mark and Greg, and um, and a couple of my friends came in too. So that was a fun, yeah, fun night. Well, we're going to get to that, I, but more importantly, I just wanted to ask you, both of you, first, um, did you miss me? Absolutely. We missed you, and we missed you on the podcast. It didn't feel right to uh, not have you in the seat with us. Second question. At, at what point did you guys kind of look at each other collectively, <laughs> and you know, you just kind of thought, man, this is a fun professional experience. It's about an 8 out of 10, but we know where that missing 2 is. Oh, yeah. I think that was that was looming over our heads the whole trip. Yeah, that was the... You know, if you want to, it was the black cloud hanging over what otherwise would have been a successful week. Um, all right, good. See, now I can sleep at night. I haven't slept in seven days, wondering the answer to those questions. Well, it, I don't think there's no uh, there's no fibbing going on here. We really did miss you, and uh, it could have been a um, it could have been a ten out of ten with our with our fourth member. All right, so there's plenty to get to here. Uh, Greg Rosenthal, I should say, is in in Indianapolis still. He'll be back on Tuesday. And he will be on the Wednesday show, so he's holding it down. And we might get him on the phone in a little bit just to uh, check in with him. Uh, so big show today. We're going to talk Combine, some, some more takeaways from the Combine. Uh, go down a couple different categories. We'll uh, get Greg on the phone, as I said. But before we do any of that, the gold standard behind the gr- glass. How are you, buddy? 
Yeah, doing great. Thank you. And, you know, before we get to news, I do want to say something that... <clears throat> yes, we missed you if you're about to ask that <laughs> question again. <laughs> Damn it. No, uh, Gold Standard sat in on the Damashek podcast the other day and was went by Gold Tie, never corrected, never corrected Dave on that. I just felt I, it was a, a bit of a traumatic time for him not having black tie there. I thought I'd ease the transition as best I could. Right, which I understand that, but I, I thought maybe you could pull him aside afterward and be like, hey, just so you know, I'm the gold standard. I, I should have I've actually had a series of horrible experiences recently where I haven't corrected people in the first conversation when they get my name wrong, and that's a, just a horrible slope to go down. So you're right. Uh, yeah, and I did, I did air this grievance via Twitter with Dave, who didn't think much of it. But, uh, yeah, so the gold standard is behind the glass. Let's do some news. Let's do it. All right, let's start with the story of Monday at the Combine, of course, University of South Carolina defensive end Jadavian Clowney running um, a pretty magnificent 40, uh, posted a 4.53 officially after unofficial times of 4.46 and 4.47. Uh, this was obviously the buzz of of the day. Um, you know, we even did a post on the Around the League blog with NFL players on Twitter, you know, getting all amped up about this, how unusual it is to have a guy that's 6'6", 266 running like a wide receiver and beating some running backs. I mean, that's it's pretty crazy stuff. Um, I will one thing I'll say and I'll throw it to you guys is how come the, a big storyline today is still people kind of unhappy with this guy because he sat out a couple of these other drills. I mean, it seems like people can't get past this idea of this guy is so talented and he showed it again with his 40, but we don't know about him. That seems to be the prevailing narrative here. Well, I thought I watched all this stuff on my phone because NFL. Wow, look at you. NFL.com, NFL Media. We have this great phone app, and I was able to track all of this on my off day. So what stood out to By me By the way, was, Wes wearing a green shirt because it's the color of money because he's a corporate shill. Go on. <laughs> uh, so what stood out to me was Sapp's comments after the 40-yard desk, basically calling him a dog on tape. Yeah. That he takes too many plays off. Sap said he was almost ashamed, ashamed to watch the film. It's funny that you bring that up because uh, a day earlier, it might have been Saturday. Again, I was alone in the office uh, for most of the week. But Sap rolled in at one point. I believe it was on Saturday. And he was uh, talking shop with one of our producers uh, who goes by Giant. And they were going over some tape of Clowney. And Sap was saying the same things. He he was watching the tape. and he And he was saying he was literally getting mad watching it because the guy's such a stud, but then you look at what he put on tape this year, and that's what Sapp is speaking about, why he's so frustrated. Well, right? isn't the issue there that people, I think, are knocking him for? You knew that if you were to get hurt, you got to play this season out if you're going to stick around and play college football for another year, but what's the real upside for a guy in that position other than you suffer a terrible injury and lose millions as your, st- your draft stock tumbles? I feel the same way. I feel like people are not looking at this – from the human level, which is this guy, when he had that huge hit where he blew up the guy in the backfield at the end of the previous season, before his final season at South Carolina, everyone knew this guy was special. And he had literally nothing to gain, uh, at least in a big picture sense, in a macro sense, from from coming back and, and going 100%. So I think it he pulled back a little bit. And I understand why some people get mad at that, but I totally get it at the same time. It's his life. Yeah, I could see how football people would say, you know what, a lot of people have nothing to gain by playing in college. 
but you do it anyway because that that's what football is. You you go hard on every whistle. So I could see the issue there, but I could also see this guy's a freakish talent and you win in the NFL with difference makers. He's the kind of guy that haunts you if you if you pass him up. It reminds me of when the Jets took Muhammad Wilkerson and there was concerns that Again, immensely talented on one play, but then would vanish on others. And I think if you get him into the right locker room with other guys that battle hard in that position room, that, uh, you know, Clowney, it's going to be hard for a team to pass up on him. Yeah, it's a good point. And I will say also, I get excited as, a, as an NFL fan imagining, I don't know this is how this is going to play out, but J.J. Um, Watt and Jadavian Clowney on the same field together, there, has to be, there have to be people in that building that, just salivate thinking of the upper upper if this guy reaches his potential how well set up the this defense and that franchise would be if they had two of the most premier players in the league in their prime lining up Yeah, together. as long as romeo cornell doesn't use his ends as like space eating run stuffers versus i mean they talk about him potentially being an outside linebacker in that defense dan are you, you think they have a possibility to be almost as good as jj watt and mario williams on the same defense Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I get. No, it's it's fair. I I I just yeah. It's I guess, a scary proposition. That's yeah, and I think that that's. I think ultimately the Texans probably will go the quarterback route, but I can't. Is there any way that Clowney drops beyond pick five? I can't see that happening. I don't think so either. And I think this guy it shows so much how the drafts and in an inexact science. You can take these takes plays off things on tape, and you can say, all right. Some guys have done that before and gone into the NFL and become a bust. Some guys have taken plays off and come into the NFL and then played balls to the wall and have become all pros. So, I mean, how is Clowney? We don't know how Clowney's going to work out to that extent, but I just have a hard time saying you're going to pass up on the guy who's obviously the most talented player in the draft. All right, moving on. The San Francisco 49ers, Jim Harbaugh, Cleveland Browns, Triangle of uh, Doom is really – it's becoming a big story now. Uh, Obviously – as we know, uh, Jimmy Haslam, the Browns owner, came out uh, yesterday and told the USA Today reporter that they had an opportunity uh, to acquire Jim Harbaugh. He didn't specify how, you know, what that opportunity entailed. And now Jed York, who initially denied the PFT report that this was uh, a deal that was uh, in place, he came out and told Peter King uh, that. And here's the quote. The Browns reached out to me and we had no interest pursuing it. So it's kind of hard to say how far that got and maybe we'll never know. But one thing we do know, it seems like something is up in that building in San Francisco. Yeah, I, think, I mean, it's time to stop worrying about the Browns or Texas or USC side of this. It has much more to do with the fact that those teams felt like this guy can be pried away from the 49ers, that there's something that we're all hearing about that suggests he's for sale. No one went and tried to do this with Pete Carroll or someone else. So it's, a, it's, an, it's probably one of the oddest stories we've dealt with in a long time. But for me, it's, and we've said this right at the start, it's a 49er story. It has nothing to do with these teams that really tried to go after him. There's a suggestion that, you know, we know him and Trent Balky are, they're at odds at times, which can be healthy, I guess. That's sort of how Ian painted it. That at times it's seen as a healthy uh, conflict maybe, but long term, if they don't value him the way he wants to be valued, we know how this works. He won't be there long term. I read Mike Silver's column today, the one that came out today, and he he talked a lot about this. The 49ers believe they can win without Jim Harbaugh. 
they think that Trent Baalke should get a lot more credit for how he's built this team, that a lot of coaches can win with that talent. And we had an agent yesterday in Indianapolis tell us basically the same party line, that Harbaugh's good, but they think they can win without him. I I don't know. It's not Either way I look at it, it hasn't been so long since you had Mike Singletary and a cast of other coaches who couldn't get the job done. And, we, you know, if hmm. Harbaugh – we talk about why do coaches get hired and stick around because they do something special. And there isn't a coach out there, I don't think, that coaches quarterbacks the way that Harbaugh does. And you can't just remove him and put in Jim Tom Sula or some other guy and expect that to go as fluidly. I think that's a tremendous loss of talent if he went elsewhere. Mark, I have to ask you, since Wes brought up the silver uh, column, uh, what is the deal with the Cleveland Browns presenting to some of these these prospects a paperclip and asking them how many ways it can be used? Uh, You know, at the Senior Bowl, this first came out at the Senior Bowl where people were saying that whoever's asking these questions for Cleveland, scouts or whatever, have been asking the weirdest questions going on months now and I initially thought that has to be uh, an old regime issue but it's clearly not and they used to ask people what can you do tell me everything you could do with a brick and now it became this paperclip thing I just find it odd I don't have any deeper are we looking for football players or the next MacGyver I that is a fair (laughs) question you know what you know what's great about MacGyver jokes is that show has been off the air for like 23 years and people just drop MacGyver and it still works yeah rubber band paperclip and hairspray you could blow up a building and that doesn't work with other things you couldn't like drop a Mr. Belvedere reference and everybody's like oh yeah I know where you're coming from on this one big boy Wesley (laughs) or perhaps you can um one I did love, by the way, uh, Silver's uh, take on what what he would say. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and I'll read it right now. We'll give Mike a, Mike a shout out as my computer, which loads at a 56K rate. I can paraphrase it for you. <laughs> I want to get – this deserves word-for-word word word action. Mike wrote, here's one. I could straighten it out, the paperclip, and stick it right through my eardrums so that I don't have to hear another one of these brilliantly constructed esoteric queries. <laughs> <laughs> Bang. <laughs> Drops Mike. <laughs> Drops Mike. Well done. Uh, moving on. Michael Vick could land with the New York Jets in free agency. Uh, NFL media insider Ian Rappaport reported Monday that based on conversations in the past week, it's clear the Jets are viewed as a legitimate possible landing spot for the Eagles quarterback, according to a source informed of the team's thinking. Uh, one thing that kind of stood out to me, because I think, Wes, you've been – You've said before that maybe uh, the Mornwig-Vic connection could be a problem with that. Uh, according to Rappaport, the understanding is that there is a, quote, mutual respect between the two men, and this could be a good match. Well, it was actually Schefter that reported that a year ago about potentially— oh, okay. right. It was that It was that Vic and Mornwig parted, not on ill terms, but it was strained, and that might block it. But that's, it sounds like that's not the case now. It sounds like a very sensible fit to me. We talked about this last week that the Jets and Vic seem like a kind of the most sensible fit of all the landing spots for him. They're built to win now on defense, I think. So I think why not go with the veteran over over a guy Geno Smith? I didn't think was ready to win. And um, the New York Daily News, Manish, one of the friends of the podcast, had reported that Josh McCown was also target of the team. Ian came out today and said the same thing. So he's another guy that would be a sensible fit. Maybe Vic has a little more upside uh, for the team. I will present this to you, fellas. And I agree 
with the both of you guys you're thinking as a Jets fan I think it makes Vic makes plenty of sense get an actual player in there behind Geno Smith not uh, in front of Geno Smith <laughs> that will potentially <laughs> well I'll get to that um you know last year they had after Sanchez went down they had David Garrard the remains of David Garrard um and Phil Simms's son and not the good one and that's really saying something <laughs> it as wasn't well. a good one right so <laughs> the less not good one uh, so this would really this is important to have someone real in there and I, I will throw it to both of you gentlemen uh, over under let's say let's go with Mike Vick for the for for this exercise Mike Vick signs with the Jets in a couple of weeks over under that he's in the in the starting lineup I'll set the over under at week four Wes. He's going to start opening game. Really? Why would, you pick, why would you pick Geno Smith to start, start over Michael Vick? Well, I think, personally, John Idzik. Well, what do you think? Mark? Well, I would really agree because the other thing that we keep hearing about the Jets is that they're going to go hard after guys like Macklin. They're going to go hard after potentially a guy like Julian Edelman. They're going to look for receivers. And if you're going to, want to spend a lot of money to change your offense and you add Michael Vick to the puzzle, I don't, we don't hear about a team going out and trying to find veteran competition to push Andrew Luck. Right. You only hear about this when it's clear someone or some group of people in New York are not happy with Smith and are looking for ways to revive that offense sooner than later. Right. I mean, it was obviously, you know, they rode the Geno coaster last year, but that was also a guy that was kind of pushed into that spot and and wasn't ready and didn't have the weapons. And now now he's going to potentially have some weapons. That's a second-round pick by John Idzik, the first quarterback he's taken since taking over the team. I would think the organization would, even if they have doubts about them, which it's pr- pretty clear they do, uh, they would be very open to at least giving him a chance at first and then not waiting too long and then bringing in whoever that backup is. Uh, if if Gino gets off to a slow start, that's just kind of how I see it. But isn't it I totally isn't understand it a the tough other scenario if you're uh, Gino Smith and you're not playing well like any young quarterback who's not Andrew Luck might not play well out of the gate and you've got Vic on the sideline. The fan base is going to go crazy. They're going to be calling for Vic by the third incomplete pass that sails over a bad receiver's head. Rex Ryan doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would do it just whatever John Idzik said, even if it meant his team was going to be less competitive. And yeah, and you bring up Rex, and it's a good point because uh, Rex's job is again on the line. Uh, who cares wh- what the contract was? He needs to uh, put up a winning record and probably make the playoffs, so he's not going to stick with Geno Smith. Well, and real quick, it reminds me of what Marone said in Buffalo about E.J. Manuel. I don't think these coaches, they all know they don't have five years to develop a passer anymore. Right. If, it, totally if Geno Smith world. looks like a chaotic, half-baked quarterback, you've got to move on quick. All right. The gold standard behind the glass. Yes, sir. Why don't we check? We have one more ATL soldier out in Indianapolis. He is the boss, Greg Rosenthal. We were thinking, let's get him on the phone and you know talk a bit with Greg, see what he's got. I like that. Leave no stories. man behind. Leave no man behind. All righty. Here we go. Greg, are you there? I am here. I am at Lucas Oil Stadium watching an empty field. Beautiful thing. I watched Greg do some work on camera, NFL.com Live today on my internal monitor. I saw Mark do work this week. Chris Wessling did some work, but I did miss that, but I'm sure it was great. You guys really have a lot of talent on camera, and I'm happy for you, all of you. <laughs> I feel like there's an air of sadness in this compliment, but I'm going to take it. For <laughs> well, they, you, you missed the top I, of the show, you, so <laughs> yeah, you got it, um, Greg. So you are, uh, uh, like you said, you're on the ground, still in Indy. You're back tomorrow. Um, 
what's going on over there? You want to give us any, uh, you know, any nuggets? You have any stories for us? Let's do it. Well, today was the Jadevian uh, Clowny Day, right? And I like to say Jadevian, not Jadevian. That's that's hmm. how you pronounce it. And uh, now people were talking about that. I was in an elevator um, on the way down to the field. It was it was well after Clowny was done for the day, and Mike Rabel, the new Texans. Uh, defensive coach was on the elevator and some other Texan staff, and there was also some Colt staff on the elevator. No heat between them. Everything was nice. Mm. Uh, but the, the second Rabel got off the elevator, you know, I stayed on. Yeah, I heard one of the Colt staffers say to the other guy, man, I hope they don't f- take Clowney. Ah. And, I, and I think that's pretty much the attitude that, that the teams around the, around the Texans have that they're afraid of basically facing Clowney a couple times a year. Very interesting. The upside would be that if you take Clowney, you potentially are still stuck with Case Keenum or an increasingly fast aging Matt Schaub. Well, but so you're still killing them. Do the thing that the other team doesn't want you to do. It's like when when it, you're deciding whether to go for fourth and one or punt. If the other team would rather you punt, then you, you should do the opposite. So <laughs> if that's how the Colts are thinking, right? And Clowney. And uh, one thing, one thing. While the fellas were with you, Greg, um, you all bumped into a certain owner, didn't you? Oh my! That was <laughs> I have never seen Mark Sessler melt, as he said, like a piece of chocolate more than when he <laughs> met Browns owner Jimmy Haslam, the man that not only his favorite team and uh, the owner of the team, but also the man that Mark has often said is the best-looking owner in football. Oh, confirmed. Confirmed. Yeah, listen. By the way, the PR guy told him that I was a Browns fan, and then Haslam came over, and I think he did. He looked very closely at our name tags. He probably to them. go back through our, <laughs> you know, history of writing about the team to find out which one of us will be assassinated. You Wesley. are a factory of sadness. <laughs> he gave you the fist pound. Yeah, got the fist the You got a fist pound? Yeah. You got a fist pound from Jimmy Haslam. Yeah, because he asked. You know, he, I explained Wowza. how I became a fan of the team when I didn't grow up in Cleveland, and he laughed and he. Gave me a fist bump, and then we, you know, we vanished into the mist. Not with Mrs. Haslam. Not before you swooned like a schoolgirl. Was Mark levitating? Oh, God. <laughs> well, we should thank. It was thanks to Ian Rappaport that uh, it even happened because he noticed Ian and talked to him, and then Ian introduced us. So that was a a mensch like move from Rapture. Yeah, I actually got a tweet from Ian as it was happening. Um, said something along the lines that Mark was in love, and that he. <laughs> well, hold on get, here. Now, this, I was kept exact, my this was the exact. This was the exact tweet. Uh, had Sessler just meet Haslam, oh, I can't say the rest of the tweet, actually. <laughs> well, it's probably accurate to some degree. The second we're part of the tweet is mean you had a crush. At all, Mark. You were positively glowing 20 minutes after it happened. <laughs> it did like something inside of you had changed, and I have never seen you really. <laughs> I've seen you with your kids and your wife. I have never seen you as happy as this. Well, Which it was a quite, special you know, moment. It's quite a statement to make, by the way. I'm not, listen, I'm going along with this. It's accurate. It's not maybe accurate quite to the degree that Greg is painting. Greg, uh, before you go, anything else? You, you're on the ground there. I know you're shaking hands. You're, you're in the mix. Uh, anything else? Well, did you guys bring up the Joan Osborne story yet? That's the thing uh. I'm most proud of. This week. Joan Osborne? Oh, why what, don't you, Greg? Wait, what if God I, is one of us, Joan Osborne? I'll, uh, I'll take us through this story. So this involves all of my brothers. We... We hit a bar, I would call it close to a dive bar, and there was basically two contingents in there, the Westlings and Mark and Greg, 
on one side and then a group of lesbians very attractive lesbians on the other so side. This is this is the time during a podcast where I sometimes start to get nervous when Wes is talking. We've hit that moment. Let's just keep moving. And there are two singers of the lesbian uh, acoustic folk variety. So we we had. How do you know they were all lesbians? Well, no, it was advertised as a as as a get together, a musical get together for oh okay. these women. So gotcha. Go ahead. So we all guessed like which '90s era. Lilith Fair type of song would be the next one played. <laughs> <laughs> and Greg nailed it on Joan Osborne right wow. off the bat. Literally the first one. He 30 said seconds be, later, his song one of us. starts playing. Wow, yeah. Greg, that's pretty impressive. Of everything I've accomplished <laughs> this week, or really, I think this year, that was I was never more proud than that moment. To hit it on the first song, I mean, it was the next one played. So I, at that point, I was happy with my week. That is the song I remember when it was popular um, the Catholic Church and Wes is a fellow at least you were once Catholic uh, the church made a big deal out of Joan Osborne calling God a slob like one of us I remember that <laughs> the church often gets bogged down in these issues that are very important <laughs> Greg last thing before you go I am holding a paper clip uh, how many things can you do with this paper clip oh that's a stupid brown question you've already been talking about that or what we yeah. already talked about it yeah <laughs> we had to get to that we, we had to uh I don't know. Did you? Did you guys? You already talked about the whole Harbaugh story, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, so, I don't. I have nothing. All right, that's good. <laughs> you'll be you'll be back on uh, on Wednesday, and you'll be fully plugged into the uh, machinations of the podcast. I uh, I can't wait to be there. All right, safe journey home, boss. <laughs> See you guys. See you. <laughs> hey, go on. John Joan Osborne. It was a, it was a classic. It was almost a premonition. I wonder how much of our audience knows that song. Gold Standard, you don't know that song, right? No, I know that song. Oh, you do? Uh, yeah. I remember. I You're went an with, old soul. It's a relatively famous yeah. song. I went with Concrete Blonde Joey. <laughs> oh, so. I, I went with a Jewel song. Ju- yeah, I think. Which, the, which, by the way, these songs were ultimately played most of them. We yeah, weren't that far we off. If I had to guess, because I know a fair bit of the Jewel single uh, catalog, I would guess the Jewel song that got played was... You were meant for me. I think it was these foolish games. Oh, foolish games! Well, and I also Classic. requested foolish games, and that's what these got played. Foolish so. games. Yeah. Mark made quick friends with the lesbian folk duo. <laughs> I requested two songs, and they played both. I cannot believe I missed this night above was, all other nights. It was epic. Um, all right, <clears throat> so good combine talk there by Greg. Why don't we just stay on that topic uh, uh, for the duration of the show? Um, I want to ask you, gentlemen. You were feet on the ground. The team, after being around all these teams, all around the personnel, the team that you feel better about after a week in close proximity, and I'll start with Mark Sessler. This is a weird answer because um, there's maybe not concrete evidence. There might be for other teams, but I'm going to go Jacksonville Jaguars, and I think – what we're starting to hear is that they're open to – they were going to maybe not take a quarterback at number three, but they feel like a real strong candidate to go Johnny football. And if that so were to happen – Right. If that were to happen, that's a team that's defense played well down the stretch. I really liked what Gus Bradley had to say this week. I think they've got a good general manager as well. They're kind of falling into one of these – into the group of teams where a coach and GM are of the same mind on almost everything. 
And that bodes well. I think they've got some young talent on both sides of the ball. If you ever plugged in Johnny Football and he clicked, everything changes. And they've, they're in prime position. You know, I, I went into the offseason annoyed because Cleveland and Jacksonville have the same record. Cleveland lost to Jacksonville and is picking one spot later, which I know that's how the draft order thing works. That, that irritates me in the sense hmm. that if Johnny Football works, number three at Jacksonville, where that, where they're the first team that I think will take him. Right. And it could change everything for them. I, there's a lot of hope, I think. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you just because Shad Khan, you know, from the moment he took that team on, you could tell like he's going to pour all his efforts into raising them out of obscurity and trying to make them something that people care about, which they clearly don't. And this could like decide the fate of whether they stay in the United States as an NFL football team. Who knows? And if you get an electric guy like Johnny Football and if that works out, that that is the home run that he needs to get the franchise back on its feet. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Wes, I ask you. I would say same question. I would say it's hard to say I feel better about any team because you get very few concrete answers out of these coaches and GMs. We don't know what their plans are. We can only speculate. I guess I feel good about the Cardinals because I liked Arians and Steve Kime so much listening to them. And one concrete example I would point to is the bigger plans for Andre Ellington. He's gained 10 pounds, and it sounds like they're very excited about him playing a major role in their offense. You're saying that these teams are playing foolish games that are tearing you apart. <laughs> are you concerned I, about the commitment to Carson Palmer long-term? Wait, you're just walking over my jewel lyric there? <laughs> to answer Dan first, I, it, would be, it would be inaccurate to say I'm torn apart by okay, these by the Like answers. Jewel was by her handsome I don't think slacker I'm as, bow. Right, I don't think I'm as invested as much as Jewel was as a 19-year-old Alaskan singer. Say what you will about Jewel, but she was never not invested Oh, listen, she slept in her van going from city to city. She wore her heart on her sleeve. Um, Mark, sorry. What were you saying? No, I just, are you concerned about what seems to be like an, almost an overcommitment to Carson Palmer, who is still Carson Palmer, by the way? I wouldn't say I'm concerned about it because I don't know that I have confidence that they would find a quarterback in the middle of the first round or in the second or third round that would come in and beat him out. So I think they're kind of, when you're picking in the middle or later, you're kind of stuck at quarterback anyway. Yeah. Is there a team either of you men feel worse about after the week? Well, I, you know, I don't want to go through this whole thing again, but the, you're thinking long term. I just see like John Schneider and Pete Carroll in a room just like dancing as this 49ers thing breaks. Like they've got to be thrilled. This is their was that house? Yeah, they were like in there doing like a techno. They're just they just turned up the techno music and they are, you know, Greg Rosenthal. We found out this week is a very is a is a quietly a gigantic. Techno music fan, by the way, and he told us of a time in the '90s when true? he dyed his hair jet black, and he claimed that it was a Nirvana era hair change. But I don't. It's a hard. He thing to had picture. long black hair, parted in the middle. Pictures or it didn't happen. It, it he claims it happened. I, we hear a lot of stories about Greg's past. Uh, it's a little know, nebulous, and <laughs> it's a little bit. And I, I feel like we're reaching the point where. Although we obviously believe him, we take him at his word, he's never done anything to prove us that he's not trustworthy. At some point, we need some type of uh, evidence that augments the things that he says. Well, we can, I'm sure we can work on that. I think that he gave them, you know, John Schneider and Carol, one of the mixtapes that he probably listened to back in the day, just a trance-heavy I don't know anthem. if any of this is true, but... And they're loving it, because my team's the Niners. They're, I think they're, that's long-term, I'm concerned about that coach 
situation. I would echo what Mark said and also echo Greg's point that if other teams are happy you're doing this, I you know, that's that's a problem. And I think mm. I, I wouldn't have as much re- respect for the 49ers if Harbaugh wasn't their coach. You can't argue with three no consecutive NFC conference championships. All right, let me ask you guys, and I'll start with Wes this time. Um, again, you're around these GMs, you're around these coaches uh, all week. Name me a guy that made a striking impression one way or the other, a striking impression. I like Dave Gettleman. Interesting. Like a 60-year-old guy who got his start late in the game. I mean, he he came up through the system as a scout, worked his way up, was in the game a long time, but didn't become a general manager until late in his life. You could tell he has concrete on ideas on how to run a team, and he's not really worried about what anyone else thinks. That confidence shines through. He's a straight shooter. My kind of guy. I mean, you tell the guy tells it like it is. Steve Smith. We don't even know if he's going to be on the team because they were they didn't want to give you any phony answers. Yeah, he would he would answer the reporters and say, "Look," and then he'd explain in intricate detail why or why something wasn't going to happen. But on matters of players specifically, he would say that's part of our evaluation. And he would, you know, you believed him when he said that is ongoing. We're still studying the tape, looking at our plans. So yeah, I don't think he gave us any big yes or no answers, but you could tell that. Um, He's he's working hard behind the scenes, and he's confident in what he's doing. You like the old guys now that you've turned I 40. love old guys. <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Old guys are great. <laughs> old guys, underrated. Yeah. Make that the headline uh, gold standard of this podcast. Yeah, Just old guys, <laughs> underrated. Done. Did I, already on that train. Yeah, I know you were probably going to go something jewel-related, but now it's just about the old <laughs> guys. Did I ever, stick them together. They're not fully incompatible there. That's fair. Did I ever tell you my Crisco story about old men? Is that the thong song guy? No, no, no. Oh, Crisco. Crisco is oh, in you. the stuff you cook with. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was I working the front office at a Thriftway, which was a grocery store chain in Cincinnati in the early 90s. <laughs> and this uh, old man walks in, and he has a canister of Crisco with a cherry pie on the front of it. And he says, listen here, son, I need to return this. Get one with a chicken on the front of it. I said, okay, sir, that sounds good. But you know that a Crisco with a chicken does the same thing as a Crisco with a cherry pie. And he looks at me and goes, son, you know that, and I know that. But my wife, she's making chicken tonight, and she don't know that. Oh, my God. That's awesome. That's, uh, that was one of my opinions solidified that old men, you know, they just have this hard life. They, have to, they just have to do whatever their wives say, even if it means trudging out in the snow to go pick up a Crisco. That's awesome. Wow. A striking impression, Mark Sessler. Well, we already talked about ancillary story about old men. Right, I'm going to have to come up with something (laughs) on that front. Uh, We already talked about Pet in the last show. I thought that he impressed all three of us. Um, No, this is I I should have qualified this by saying you cannot talk about Mike Pet. All right, well, so I've got a I've got a one B answer or a one A. I guess we call it. John Schneider. Not that I am unearthing something that people haven't noticed, but a couple two things about him: a extremely comfortable in his own skin. Uh, is seems incredibly wise to me, uh, and and measured in his thinking. No one, you know, these all these reporters are trying to get these guys to say something. Now, Wesleyan actually did get him to say something about Michael Bennett and his future with the team, but that's one of the few times that he really gave information that they wouldn't have maybe wanted out at that time. But Schneider, to me too, every time that we see him with Carroll. They are enjoying each other and hanging out. They like they're they're cracking jokes together. 
I don't think it's that complex with some of these teams. If the people making the decisions enjoy being around each other, and we just saw what happened in Cleveland while that whole thing melted to the floor because you found out they didn't. Right. In Seattle, I just think that's a long-term marriage that works because those guys just like hanging out together. And you bring up um, Michael Bennett. Uh, we should pour some out. A, ma- a gentleman that was sitting in the chair across from me a couple of weeks ago, Red Bryant, uh, there are talks that he will be released by the Seahawks to make room to sign Michael Bennett. Uh, Red Bryant, one of the great podcast guests yeah. either ever. He will uh, land on his he feet somewhere. He will find another job. He There's will. no question. Do um, you want my striking impression Please. from the last week? Uh, the guy that cleans the restrooms here, I went into the bathroom, <laughs> and uh, and he was in there with his stuff. And usually when that happens, you got you got to leave. But he said, come on in. Is this uh, an attempt uh, of contrast to try to suggest to us oh. that you've not – had an interesting week. No. Also, another striking impression. I got two. Taco Tuesday in the NFL ca- Cafe. Uh, striking. It was great. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. So, awkward. Yeah. So let's <clears> – <throat> that was awkward? No, no, no. Not that at was, all. That no, let's keep, let's keep moaning. Oh, through. okay. Uh, all right. Before we get out of here, I do want to hear a little bit more about uh, Wes's brothers. I mean – are they all like Wes? They Wes has are, like 45 brothers, by the well, way. Well, so five brothers showed up, and I – it, it's weird because they all look nothing like Wes, but they all look so much like Wes all at the same time. And they're n- none of them are the same height. The height <laughs> differential goes from Wes's. I think you are the sh- are you the shortest? I'm the shortest, brother? yeah. But he has a brother that's probably six three, six three and a half. Six yeah. three and, and a half. A couple of them are six two. Adul- honestly, nice basketball team. Y- it made me because I have two sons. It one thought that came into my mind: I want to go have like six more boys because. These guys like hanging out, but also uh, real with each other, where I was given information by one brother to drop like a hot-button topic that I knew they had been arguing about for two decades, <laughs> and just walk over and be like, agree with me that Michael Jordan is overrated. A conver- like an argument you can tell they've had 4,008 times, <laughs> and Wesley was at a point in the night where it worked every time, and these <laughs> like guys just, under yes, him. they just went at each other. <laughs> they were so fun to hang out with. I hope we get to see them again. They honestly were great. Yeah, I, I thought it was hilarious, and they... You know, I think Mark, he told me, you know what, it's great how different everybody is, but they're all interesting people. And, you know, I take a lot of pride in that, that all my brothers are fun to talk to. Sure. When I was at the Super Bowl and talked to your brother, I felt the same way. Your brother Kevin, is that Kevin, his name? yes. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to him. And, and they uh, were big fans of Mark and Greg as well. Hmm. Good. I'm glad. Good it was a big kumbaya thing. Everybody they asked had fun. about you, by the way, Dan. And I'm I, not kidding. They well, asked multiple times about I didn't you. Wanna, I didn't want to say anything. No, but your I, name. Even the, even the girlfriends and wives asked about Dan. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm just happy you guys are back because I did miss you. Sincerely, I miss you, you, gentlemen. And, but now we're all back. Greg will be back on Tuesday night. So our next podcast will be rolling four deep. The gold standard, not the gold tie, will be behind the glass. And it's going to be very exciting. Uh, gentlemen, that is it for today's podcast. We'll be back. This is Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, gold standard, and the boss until Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.